Good morning and welcome to the gathering. Today is May the 29th. Glad to see y'all here. It's a great weekend. Uh, it's a holiday weekend. I hope that this holiday weekend brings you joy and, and happiness with your family. We've had some events happen in our country this last week that it's hard to even know what words to put on that. Uh, obviously tragic is a word. But there are some families, especially in Uvalde this week, that are hurting this week. So we want to pray for them each and every day this week and just let people know around you that uh, you're available. If something bad is going on, that you're willing to talk and you're willing to help people work through problems. So our prayers will be especially with the families in Uvalde this week. We're going to talk about a subject today that sometimes seems a little tough to talk about. It's a scripture that, frankly, some people misuse. Uh, we're not going to do that today. We're going to talk about it in light of what the true meaning of the passage is. We're going to be talking today about something that's clearly countercultural. This clearly goes against what the it's all about me culture of today is. And we're going to be talking about submission. Our passage from 1 Peter chapter 3 today is specifically talking about submission of wives to husbands, but there's a lot of things we need to talk about in submission really before we get to that. I was sitting in the lobby a few minutes ago looking over my notes for tonight and I noticed a, a really nice looking young couple out front in our parking lot with their little wiener dog and they were throwing disc golf. And I noticed that as the man threw, that the disc sailed almost right up to the big rock that they were using for a target. And when the woman threw, her disc fell a little bit short most of the time. And then I noticed that the, the guy launched one that, that hit right on top of the rock. And the next throw that the woman made got about three quarters of the way to the rock. And then something really interesting happened. When the disc landed, it landed right up on its side. And it started rolling. And it just rolled and rolled and rolled and rolled. Right up to the rock. And I thought, God must have helped her with that one. Uh, she may not be, she was clearly a head shorter than he was. Uh, certainly not near the stature, the physical stature that he had. But you know what? Her disc rolled right up to that rock. And... Uh, I just, I thought that was great. That meant a lot to me tonight. We're going to dive off into this. Submission is something that God requires of his people. In Psalm 2, 9 through 11, it says it this way, You will break them with an iron scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. So now, kings, be wise. Receive instruction, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Well, if God expected the kings during this time to submit and to receive instruction, then certainly the people should too. Christians especially live lives of submission. In Matthew 6, 9 to 10, Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice that. Your will be done. That just runs so counter to the culture today. 
most people now are like, well, I want my will to be done. But as Christians, we clearly don't live a life that way. We live a life that is according to the plan that God has for us. And it's not about me. It's not about what do I want. It's about living a life that patterns the life of Jesus. That's a life of submission. That's a life that we can sink our teeth into. It doesn't mean we're weak or, or less than strong. In fact, to live a life of submission to Jesus is a life of strength. It takes strength and courage and wisdom and fearlessness to live this way. You know, anybody can get a big baseball bat and walk down the street and, and hit the mailboxes or whatever and look like a big tough guy. But to live a life patterned after the submission of Jesus Christ, that's where we really get true strength as Christians. So we're going to pray and then we're going to dive off into this subject today and hopefully this will mean something for you. Let's pray. Father God, just thank you for what you have for us today, God. The people that are watching, God, just bless them. Uh, the people watching need to hear more from you, certainly, than they need to hear from me. So just let my words ring true tonight. Let my words be your words. Put just the right words in my mouth to say. God, as we look back on the week this week, it's been a tough week for some families. And uh, God, those poor little children, those poor little children that won't go home that night and won't see their brothers and their sisters and their moms and their dads. God, we just have to take comfort. We don't always understand what's going on. We don't see from one horizon to the next like you do. And so, God, we just have to lay this situation in your hands and trust that you will handle this and in some way bring glory uh, to yourself in all of this tragedy. God, we lay this situation on you. Our worrying and, and uh, fretting about it will do nothing. So we've just got to lay it on you and give it over to you to take care of. So God, we do that tonight. We hand this situation to you and just ask for you to bless these families, look after them and heal their hearts. And God, we pray all this in the strong name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So when we think about submission, what do we use it as an example? We have a great example of a life lived in submission looking at the life of Jesus. Jesus submitted his life to Father God. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, it says it this way, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was fully God, but he submitted to the will of God the Father. Jesus probably, in his earthly body, was not looking forward to getting on that cross. He knew this was going to be something that hurt. He had gone through a terrible situation at the hands of his captors. Uh, but Jesus knew he had to do it because it was God's plan that Jesus would take on my and your sin. And he was the only way that was going to fix itself. So Jesus lived a life of submission. And we can use that as an example. Peter in First uh, Peter chapter 3 is going to uh, talk about submission really kind of in three different ways. To talk, today we're talking in verses 1 through 7 about submission in the home and in the home relationship. Uh, in verses 8 to 15, 
Peter is going to talk about that we'll cover next week, submission and suffering or uh, submission and living a life with a proper Christian worldview. So we're going to cover that next week. I hope you look forward to that. And the third uh, part is uh, verse 16 to the end where Peter's going to talk about submission to Christ. So there is a submissive spirit that's required in a lot of the relationships in the church. Uh, several relationships we'll, we'll cover. First is the believer's relationship with one another. In Ephesians 5:21, it puts it this way, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. As believer Christians, when we're dealing with fellow Christians in the church, because the church really is us, it's not a building or a bunch of stones or glass or mortar, it's us living our lives every day, we have to submit sometimes to each other. And it's a mutual submission. It can't be about me and what I want. It's got to be about the greater good, and it's got to be about the example that Jesus set for us. So, firstly, it's in the believer's relationships with one another. Secondly, it's a submissive spirit in the church to Jesus Christ, Ephesians 5.24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. And we'll get a little further into the wives and the submitting to the husbands in the First Peter passage in a moment. Uh, we also submit, thirdly, to the scriptures. The scriptures are our guide. They're our instruction manual. Now, I know you guys are sitting there thinking, instruction manual? Who needs those things? That's just some other guy's opinion about how it ought to be put together. Well, and that may be true, but there is an instruction guide for us contained in the scripture that may be another guy's idea of how it ought to be done, but that guy knows really well how we ought to be doing things. So on this one, yeah, maybe we ought to pay a little closer attention than what we get with the bike at Christmas. In Joshua 1, 7-8, it puts it this way, Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn it from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Several weeks ago we talked about this term meditate. And, and when we apply our Western thinking or our Western reading, you know, we talked about that last week, how we do that. When we apply our Western reading to that word meditate, we think it means, well, to think on it, to just sit around and ponder it and think on it. But that's not the right translation of that Greek word. This Greek word translates to mutter or to utter or to speak it. And really thinking back about the time that this was written, they didn't have, not everybody had a Bible like we do today. They didn't have their smartphone and their Uversion app. They didn't have um, the printing press yet. So scripture and the stories of Jesus were transmitted from person to person. So meditate actually means to talk it, to say it, to repeat it over and over. And when you do that, obviously it makes it easier to learn. So we obviously need to submit to the scripture. Uh, the fourth item of our submission in the church, anyway, is to our church leaders. 
And this is again another example of a mutual beneficial relationship and submission. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable to you. The congregation yields, submits to the leadership of the church and also the leadership of the church submits to properly look after the church body uh, the way that Jesus would have them do that. So once again, we see an example of not a submission or lording over, but a mutually beneficial relationship, which is what submission requires. We also, uh, getting out now from the church situation, there is an element of submission to our civil government. In Romans 13.1, let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. You probably don't like wearing your seatbelt any more than I do. I don't know if it's just because I'm kind of a big fella, a little on the heavy side. I just don't like wearing my seatbelt. But it's a rule. And so I'm going to yield and submit to the civil authorities I'm going to wear my seatbelt most of the time. <laughs> uh, don't watch me driving down the street. You're going to catch me sometimes not wearing it. But I, I try to submit to that. It's not that I want to do it. I understand why I should. It's going to keep me safe. I just don't like it. But it's a rule. And so I'm going to submit because that's what I'm supposed to do. Because, again, it's not about me. It's just not. It's not about me. There's also submission within relationships in our lives, and we're heading now to our first Peter passage for today, but uh, just a couple of steps before we get there. First off, there's submission in a relationship of children to parents. Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. I really like the end, the part of verse 3 that says, Honor your father and mother uh, so that it may go well with you. Uh, I don't know how it is in your house, but if the mom in the house isn't happy, the household isn't a very happy household. So in order for things to go well, uh, always in my life it seems like the more I tried to help and um, work with and be in alignment with the female in my life, life went a lot better for me. So guys, I don't know if there's a lesson for you there or not, but boy, there, there sure has been for me. So uh, it may be true. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Uh, pardon the English grammar there. There's also a submission in a relationship between young people and old people. Young people have so much life and energy and exuberance. Older people have so much wisdom, so much truth, uh, so much really example of doing something and learning lessons. When I look back on my life, the lessons that I've learned really that have benefited me the most have been the ones that have come with some cost. Uh, it, it's not that you're going to get through life without doing something wrong. It's not that you're going to get through life without making mistakes. 
it's about getting through life, making mistakes, and how you recover. And in that recovery, we learn lessons. And older folks generally have learned a lot more lessons. They may not be any smarter if you measured their IQ between a younger person and older. There might not be any difference at all. But older folks, especially in our church, younger folks, we need to be looking up to them. They have earned the right to speak into our lives. So we need to submit young to old. 1 Peter 5.5 5 puts it this way. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Last week we talked about the relationship of slaves to masters, and today we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about the relationship of submission of wives to husbands. So let's dive into the passage, see what God has for us here. This is 1 Peter 3, 1-7. You're probably thinking, well, it's a good thing you finally got around to it. But here we go. 1 Peter 3, 1-7. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live. When they observe your pure, reverent lives, don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather what is inside the heart the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now this passage talks about wives submitting to their husbands, and submit doesn't mean you have to be controlled. Women are not expected to be controlled by their husbands. The, the role of a husband, especially in a Christian lifestyle, is to be the spiritual head of the family, to give the spiritual guidance. But the wife has, as we'll see in a minute, we're going to talk about, a huge role in this, a huge, and it's not a, it's not a supporting role. It's, it's a, it's a complementary role that the husband and the wife share going through life together. Now, one of the things this passage absolutely does not mean is that women in general submit to men in general. A man has no right to exercise dominion or lordship or any of that over a woman who's not his wife. Uh, that He has no authority to do that. This is really only talking about the relationship of wives to their husbands. So in the passage, uh, in, uh, in verse 3, it talks about wear, elaborate hairstyles, wearing gold jewelry, fine clothes. The adornment in your life should not be the outside uh, fancy things. Uh, back in, in the 80s, we called it having the rodeo hair, having the rodeo hair and the fancy jewelry and all this stuff. A life that's lived in submission to a husband and to Christ is a life that just beams a quality out of it that can be a very simple quality, but it's such a deep quality. 
when we look at our partners, it's not about really what we see on the outside. It's about what we find on the inside that really counts. John Piper uh, came across a quote this week. Sean and I were working on this message together, and he, he's a big John Piper fan, and, and we found this quote. Marriage is meant to be a living drama of how Christ and the church relate to each other. Say that again. Marriage is meant to be a living drama of how Christ and the church relate to each other. The relationship that Christ has as the head of the church is the metaphor for the earthly marriage of a man and woman. Christ is the head of the church. He is the spiritual guide. He is the compass by which the church should walk its path. But the church has a responsibility not only to come under that in submission, but to walk, to walk that path. It does no good to come under submission, but then stand completely still and not do anything. That's not living a Christ-like life. And that's not the kind of life that a man and woman would live together as husband and wife. Uh, the woman's role and the woman's work in the relationship is critical to the relationship moving forward. Wives are as critical to the success of the marriage as the people of Christ are to Christ as the head of the church. Christ oversees the church just like the husband oversees as the spiritual advisor to the family. But these roles mesh and one can't really happen without the other. And so in thinking about how we want to go about our lives as husband and wives, all we have to do is look to the example of Christ in relationship to us as believers in the church. Christ sets the model for us. But Christ wants us to walk that road with him. Christ wants us to be the examples. He wants us to be his hands and feet in the world so that people will see the love of God and the love of Christ through our actions. Wives, for the most part, are considered the weaker sex, and that doesn't mean emotionally or uh, by intelligence quotient or anything. Generally, uh, like the young couple I saw out front while ago, the, the man is slightly bigger sometimes, sometimes a lot bigger than the woman. Physical strength, generally a man will best a woman in a contest like that. And not I know, not all the time. There have been some examples in, in history where that wasn't true. There are, there are women athletes today I promise you if I go play golf with Brooke Henderson, the nice little girl from Canada, she is going to whoop me like a raccoon in a sack. It's not even going to be close. So I'm not saying this is an absolute, but in general, women are weaker in physical strength and women enjoy emotional things different than men do. Uh, women's brains work different than men's brains. Uh, frankly, women are much better multitaskers than men are. Uh, and men are pretty singularly minded generally, and women have the ability to multitask. So it's not about that. Men, just a note to you, headship is not a right to command or control. 
It's not a right to come in and just lay down the rules. It's a responsibility to love your wife, the woman that God has given you. It's your responsibility to love her like Christ loves his church. And guys, let me tell you, if you can do that, if you can do that for your woman, love her like Christ loves his church, mama's going to be a lot happier. And so will you. Most of the things that we talked about tonight, these attitudes are reciprocal attitudes. And reciprocal attitudes are commended to safeguard against abuse. Philippians 2, 5-7 puts it this way. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he, Jesus, emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man. Relationships built on submission have to be two-sided. They just have to be two-sided. Mutual submission is the goal. You can also consider it mutual reverence for each other. Uh, you have to be concerned about the other partner in the relationship. Just like elders in the church are overseers of the congregation and vice versa, vice versa so is the husband the overseer to the wife, and again, vice versa. This is a mutually beneficial, beneficial relationship in an attitude of reciprocal submission. Jesus Christ's submission to the church cost him his life. Jesus loved us enough that he went to the cross for us. So my question as we end up tonight for you is this. If Jesus was willing to submit to the will of God and Jesus was willing to go to that cross, that was a pretty heavy price. What price are you willing to pay? Men, are you willing to love your wives like Christ loves the church? Women, are you willing to yield and let your husband be the spiritual head of the family? And when you work together, when you work together like that, you will see the love of Christ come out in your relationship. So, are you willing to pay that price? Are you willing to do that for Jesus? Father God, just thank you for what you've had to say to us tonight. God, I hope these words have been helpful. God, just thank you. Thank you that as men you give us women that love us. Uh, it would be a pretty tough world to live in if we didn't have these beautiful creatures with these beautiful hearts standing by our sides. And God, we need to honor them and treat them the way that you would have us treat them, like Christ treated the church. God, thank you for everything that you do for us. Just sometimes, God, the only thing I know to say is thank you. And there's so much to be thankful for. So God, tonight we're just going to end with this. God, thank you. Thank you for everything you do. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thank you guys for watching today. I hope this helps.